story. Welcome to Pilot Boys. My name is Caesar, and I am here with my co-host, Kareen, today. <laughs> today I, just doing... want the, I just wanted it to be silence. I didn't even want to react to it, but I reacted to it. So today, we're switching up the, the flow on these hoes. We are going to do the first episode of the show called Search Party, originally on TBS, now on HBO Max. Season four just ended, so... I wanted to do more of a, like, cover the entire show. So I'm going to start with the first episode and, like, talk about what it was and, like, when we watched it originally. Because the show came out in 2016. But because I felt so moved by it, I feel yeah. like I wanted to cover it And recently. season four just came out, which yeah. we didn't even know. It kind of just happened that way, right? Yeah, it just ended recently, so. Or just popped up on HBO Max. And we're like, oh, yeah, search party. Yeah, I mean, it... They had moved it since last season. I saw all the posters and like I saw homies like Gab and, and Galinda were talking about it. So I wanted to check it out. So let's talk about what we thought when we first watched it. So we watched the show in 2016 when mm-hmm. it came out. And then we finished the first season actually. And then we just kind of forgot about it. Yeah. When did the first season end? I feel like we watched it right after the first season ended. No, we were watching it as it was coming out. Yeah? Episode by episode. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's why I can't remember it all that well. Because it's easier to, like, think of it as, like, a whole when you're watching it, when you're binging it. Mm -hmm. But it's harder to think about, like, episode by episode. Yeah. But also, it was a cool premise. It was, like, a cool show. So the way I remember it was you had, like, cable at the time in your parents' (laughs) house. And we were watching it through, like, DVR. And it was also on TBS, which I think made it kind of inaccessible because not many people had cable. 2016, I think cord cutting was like pretty standard at that point. We didn't continue watching it. But now that it got acquired by HBO Max, all the seasons were available and and we just we just binged it. What do you feel the difference is like from watching it initially to watching it now? Oh, and I want to say before we go any further... Spoilers for the entire show. Like from we're gonna be talking one to from four. season one to four, yes. The entire show, spoilers. Season five spoilers as well too. And do it's it's been renewed for no. another season. <laughs> no. Well I'm just like, oh wow, they announced it. I was I mean, gonna they, say they told me a few things. Well, I was gonna say I was like, Oh, we also don't know if it's been renewed. But then you're like season five and I was like, Oh, I didn't know this information. Yeah. You're Nobody an insider. Does. I don't even think the creators know. <laughs> uh yeah, so tell me what you thought about initially like revisiting it i don't know i i have a hard time remembering how i felt watching it the first i feel like the first time i watched it we liked it it just didn't make much of an impact for me it wasn't like it wasn't like i needed to watch it uh that i felt that it was like very like captivating at the mm. time for some reason i'm thinking about like the election i think just like in general like 20 like the end of 2016 was kind of a dark time mm-hmm. and i feel like everybody says it about every year after 2016 yeah especially but we were recently. like actually depressed after like the election i think figuratively 
or I mean, during the like when we found out the election results, we were like actually upset. Yeah, in 2015. Um, like, no, the election was 2016. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Election but this came out before the election, I think. No, it came out 20, November 2016. This show came out November 2016. The first air date was like late November 2016. See, so, not to like call you a liar, but I remember really liking it. I remember both of us really liking it, especially because of the ending. Because I think it's what everybody thought. It's the so to give you like a quick rundown of the show. First season is about this character named Dory who sees a, a missing persons ad for this person that she went to college with and it like it like moved her enough to like want to want to search for her mm-hmm. and the first season is kind of a murder mystery kind of thing i don't know if it's murder necessarily but it's a mystery seeming thing and then the second season some of the showrunners have talked about like evolving the show second season is more of like a psychological thriller season 3 is more of like Courtroom, courtroom drama. drama and then season four is kind of a mix but mostly psychological thriller as well. yeah so the first season i remember di- i remember liking the humor i thought the humor was funny but i think you didn't like it because they everybody didn't have assholes. like yeah everybody was like a piece of shit that's so well that's what i'm saying like i don't think i don't think i wanted to keep watching it because i didn't feel like the characters were good people mm-hmm and for me, that's like a... That's everything. That's, yeah. Like, I have to I have to want to believe in the characters and want them to, you know... I want to root for them. Yeah. And for these characters, it was, it was very hard for me to root for them. Yeah. That's how the show starts. Because mm-hmm. it's, like, dealing with... I mean, I think it's having a conversation with, like, other shows or other media of the time, which was, like, about... Whether you want to call it hipster, like, millennial, I don't know, like, angst, mm-hmm. or, like, uh, aimlessness. Yeah. You know, like, girls. Naval gazing. Yeah. Like, that's, kinda, like, a thing. Exactly. And this show has that. Like, it has the trappings of that. With, like, that kind of, like, satire wit kind of shit. Like, girls. I think mm-hmm. Elliot, actually, one of the characters is named Elliot. I think he reminds me a lot of Elijah from girl Mm -hmm. which not just because of like because he's gay or anything but there's a there's like a sharp humor to them whether it's intentional or or unintentional i think Mm -hmm. that that's kind of the the genius of the character but i think once you finish the first season and i think i feel like the first season i don't know it feels like a different show like yeah i it almost feels kind of like Kind of like the good place esque in terms yeah. of like mm-hmm. That's a good we're presented with the premise of a show and like okay this is what the show is going to be about and then right at the end they pull the rug from under us and it changes the the show completely yeah give us a brief summary of the first season so search party follows a Dory. gang of friends mm-hmm. Dory Drew Drew Elijah and or no, <laughs> Elliot, Elliot and Portia 20 mm-hmm. something hipster New Yorkers who you know are just kind of self-involved it seems yeah. uh, from the get-go and Dory like you mentioned finds a missing person ad of this girl they went to they all went to college with Chantel and she is kind of aimless in her life. She's like, it's kind of like she's what in 
in suspended animation from yeah. the first episode where she just doesn't Dory, know right? yeah like she doesn't know herself and yeah. she keeps wanting she keeps asking like what do you think about me yeah. to people even in the first episode yeah we're right now we're strictly talking about the first episode for the most yeah. part but then as the season goes on she falls down the rabbit hole she meets this pi named keith she convinces her friends to go looking for chantal with her she gets like intel that she's in montreal so like she convinces her friends to go and they, they find her they do and once they get there keith who's a pi and dory get involved romantically and he traces he basically follows her there dory tases keith in an altercation he hits his head on like some fucking ted from breaking bad shit and he like accosts dory after the tase and then drew knocks him over the head with an obelisk mm -hmm. like an award of some sort so that completely changes the dynamic of the series i think we we listened to one video essay that was like the expectation for the audience at this point is if you undermine the entire point of the first season which was dory searching for this missing person chantal and you end it with just she was just she just left she just ran away from home if you end it there, it undercuts the entire premise mm -hmm. of the first season. But if you supplant it or add this, like, this quick decision murder mm -hmm. that just happens, it, the show completely changes. Like, yeah. it's a brand new show. It's like it, it completely pivots. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, like, as the season goes on, the first season, like, you know, it really falls into, like, the mystery aspect of it. Like, these people are connected, and there's a cult out there, yeah. and there's a real estate company that paid off this this cult, yeah. and Chantal is connected, and now there's a sonogram, and, like, what does it all mean? And in the last episode, it's like, no, nothing, none of that mattered. I mean, I think this is when we can start moving a little bit into the themes of the show, um, which I wrote, Chantal is a symbol which was Dory projected all of these things onto this search for this missing person that she vaguely knew in college, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. To her, everything had, like, this, like, substantial meaning, like, you know, her meeting with these, like, occult-type pregnancy thing, mm -hmm. like, uh, people. She starts to, like, see meaning in everything, and, like, everything's leading to something, and, like... I think in the first season, she starts to, like, have purpose in a way where, like, I don't know if we ever see her have that kind of purpose until the third season. But, yeah, like, as you were saying, yeah, she, Chantal, like, rips the rug and she's like, yeah, no, none of that's real. Like, I came here because I wanted to run away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Chantal, one, is, like, the worst character. Like, literal murders are on the show and, like, Chantal herself still manages to be my like most hated character yeah. she's just the worst she's like vapid vapid like so self-involved yeah. like she's all like i don't know i feel like also these characters are like so far to the extreme that mm -hmm. like they're all psychopaths right yeah <laughs> they're all I, sociopaths that psychopaths. was my like i think that that's kind of the premise of the show which is like what if millennials were actually psychopaths yeah. Um, or sociopaths, I guess, in this case. It, I guess you can go either way <laughs> once you get into the murder shit. But I don't know if they're psychopaths as, like, they're methodical in, like, killing. 
but just like they lie, they cheat, like they do all these things to serve themselves. I think it's also like it's about narrative building, like self self narrative building. Like we we were listening to the podcast right mm-hmm. <laughs> earlier, no. uh, so I'm like building off of that and like identity and like the narratives we do we create dis- create we for yeah ourselves. yeah and. I think this is also the like a I guess like the grand premise of the show for me is also the narrative of the millennial in like popular consciousness like mm, millennials love to brunch and like the first episode like this this group of people are like brunching right? yeah. and it like it's literally like they have like blonde jokes essentially because it's uh, Alia Shakovich's story she like presents this missing person. And she's like, yeah, she's missing. And then her friend's like, well, where is she? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I don't know. I think that's the question. (laughs) It's also like, like, yeah, the grand narrative Mm -hmm. of the millennial. This refutes that for sure. Or at least adds more complexity to it. Yeah, like it. That's the premise. Like, let's let's take these aspects, these attributes that millennials have like been given. Mm hmm through like popular consciousness or whatever and like let's run with it mm-hmm. and like let's take it to the extreme yeah and i think that the reason why it works is because it gives these characters purpose a lot like what one of the things we talked about the most is like this show escapes a lot of the things that drag down some of these millennial or hipster millennial orientated shows or media and galinda would agree to this but It's these shows that just, like, have this aimlessness, like, mid-20-year-olds, late-20-year-olds aimlessness who, like, don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to an extent, it's it's allowed, but, like, an entire show just predicated on that, it's it's a flimsy premise. But this one, it has those characters or those character traits that you're familiar with at this point, and it gives them a story, a plot to, like, to see where they go. And I think that... Season one ending, like this anticlimactic ending, or like I guess simultaneously anticlimactic and extremely climactic. Well, a total misdirection, right? Yes. Or like, like you, you were right. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm saying that like the season one ending is what completely changes the show mm-hmm. from just being because I think that the show at that point it could have easily just misdirected you to think that this was going to be another millennial type show but what it does instead is it like it adds this like i don't know this big scandal this big like i don't know what would you call it like real shit happening yeah (laughs) and i think it treats it as like this moment where like i don't know the fucking air is sucked out of the room and they're like what the fuck do we do Mm -hmm. um and that's like where the show gets like really fun to watch yeah i I think what the the fuck is happening I think the showrunner also, during one of the interviews we watched, was that, like, he... Because the show really does balance, like, humor. Like, like very, like... Sharp. Sharp, cutting humor mm-hmm. <laughs> with, like, very real-world consequences. Uh, I mean, sometimes it's a little, like, unbelievable. Like, it's sometimes a little too convenient. Yeah. But I sometimes think, they take advantage of it. But I think they do give room for the serious moments to be serious yeah and then like they cut away and like it's a funny moment but it's kind of a dark funny moment yeah and i think that that's 
most seen and we don't have to necessarily just go in order and like explain every season i just wanted to get like because i think the first season is crucial for this because it it's like the good place as you said and i won't spoil the good place for those who haven't seen it it's this juxtaposition of those two energies which is like dory after season one it just has like this huge like dramatic role like she's conflicted after she you know she's involved with this murder and like covering so the thing that that i think that the show does really well is like these character studies of like showing how these millennials would potentially react to something this crazy Mm -hmm. um and like how much spin there is involved with that but yeah so like dory is living in like this super dramatic super like psychological kind of space she's like living in breaking bad yeah and uh (laughs) and everybody else is living in girls yeah and i think i think like someone like uh elliot is obviously like the biggest i don't know probably the biggest source of comedy for the most part Mm -hmm. because his shit is so ridiculous he's like in in involved in this like He's in like oh, I don't know, Thirty Rock maybe or like a kind of like an antics. Yeah, but I think the reason why it works is because it makes fun of the absurdity of like this pretending that that happens a lot with millennials, where it's like I don't know, like this obsession with like yeah, I'm like doing things. I think mm-hmm. the the first scene where he's introduced or like the first where he has like like actual like lines to yeah me. so in the first se- in the first episode he has a party he, he has goes a to a rooftop party. party yeah and like he's like he's like entertaining yeah he's, or, like, he's like i'm an artist and an i'm an actor if i have to be and, uh i could get into curating yeah like i, I would c- love curate i just love projects yeah it's like it i mean i think it's funny because like that's giving a little bit we're talking about the first episode as the backdrop for the rest of the series but I think it's so good that that scene kind of sets up the commodity of the series, which I think is attention. Especially season three, I think you get to see it the most because that's the season where like things start to like come down and like Dory gets caught kind of like that's that's what the season's about. It's like a courtroom drama about how Mm -hmm. she maneuvers through the the legal system or whatever. Like... Season three is when they actually face consequences. Yeah. And season two is about, like, them trying to, I don't know... Guilt. Figure out how they feel after all this, or, like, figure out how to live after killing someone. Mm-hmm. And then season... Or just figuring out how to live with this, like, very dark thing that happened. A trauma. Yeah. And then three is where, like, shit comes crashing down. And I think season four is about, like... The consequences of a lot of that and like so dory's got like all the dramatic stuff because it's like it's really weighing on her that she was involved with this but elliot is like the poster boy for the comedy but also like the idea of false victimhood mm-hmm. what do you think about that i think uh in a way dory and elliot are i also from the podcast i guess from the Search Party podcast with Bo and Yang that we listen Subscribe to. Subscribe rate, whatever. <laughs> listen on whatever platform you want to listen to. Mm-hmm. They talk about how Dory and Elliot are kind of like two two sides of the same coin. And I agree. I think they're kind of... They, they've both done very like reprehensible things. Yeah. And, okay, Dory has actually committed murder. But... Well... 
I think that that's where you start. I think season three interrogates all the like very specifics about what actually happened. Yeah. But, uh, but like whatever way you look at her, like somebody died. Mm-hmm. She was she contributed to murder in some way. Yeah. And Elliot, as we see throughout the the four seasons, like he just he lies, he manipulates people, and like he's just also done bad things. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're not necessarily murder, but like I think people have died because of some of the things that he's put into motion. Yeah. And so, well, I think that ramps up big time like in especially in the last season yeah i think they're also just poster children for like the the standard millennial yeah that they dory doesn't know what she wants to do dory doesn't know who she is she doesn't have an identity for herself right Mm -hmm. where elliot he thinks that he knows like he he's like so vocal about who he is that he isn't anybody yeah like he what is a what is a curator? What is an actor? What is you know like he can't be all of these things all at once. And yeah. Most more, more than anything, he's a liar. And, and more than anything, he cares about what people talk about, which yeah. is that commodity of like a, attention. Mm-hmm. And we see it differently through each character, but I think Elliot, you see it most because his whole thing, like his modus operandi, is like get people to believe my bullshit stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do want to talk about it actually. So I think season one, he, because he's kind of like a, I don't know, like a creative in the industry type person mm-hmm. of like he's many, an influencer, whatever. Yeah. So, uh, there's another character. His name is Julian. He's Dory's ex. He writes for a publication. He's freelance and he decides to write a story about Elliot. Um, and the story is basically like, as he's listening to him say shit, he finds like these inconsistencies in his story. One was that he had survived cancer. Mm-hmm. So he consistently like lies. Like he's a habitual liar because he wants people to, he wants, he like is obsessed with like attention and adoration. Mm-hmm. And I think season three like really starts to get more into that. Like I think a big part of that is like it's, it's keeping in theme, like it's keeping the theme of like, crafting your own narratives or like this like tricky nature of identity and crafted identity because mm-hmm. later on we we learned that like he made up this entire story and like he's i don't know from the midwest or some shit and now by the end of the series i guess he's like a conservative like he sold all of his morals mm-hmm just to have more attention. And I think that one of the things that I really liked in the podcast, he brings up this example of like his kids and like how spinning things is kind of innate. And like spinning things is like this mental self defense. Like think about when like you got in trouble and you did, you like came up with all these like excuses and ideas as a way to like justify what you did. And I think a lot of that is like, what drives it is fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like fear of like the backlash, fear of like facing any consequences for your actions, and that's both Elliot and Dory. Yeah, but also everybody. I think Portia, who we haven't really talked about much, but Portia is like off in the first episode. She's obsessed with attention, attention that I don't even think she deserves, and she takes it anyways. But like she posted like a 
a, a post about Chantal because she was like, I don't know, moved or whatever. But it was all like just superficial. It wasn't real. She just mm-hmm. did it for the attention. So in season three, we start to see how she spins things and like how she justifies her role in it. And it's often like, I think, I think what the show is about a lot of the times is just like convincing yourself that what you believe is true. Mm-hmm. I think the season three, the, the, the courtroom drama is where you see that best because in season one, Dory started to project all these things onto Chantal, right? It gave her like a sense of purpose. It gave her direction. And I think in season three, after she has already dealt with like the guilt and she's like dealing with like the legal system, I think her new purpose became like, I'm be- I believe that I'm innocent and I'm going to prove that I'm innocent. Cause mm-hmm. I-, I think that she kind of liked it. What did you think of that? Like smile in season three where like the paparazzi's all around her and like, like no, she definitely loved the attention she was getting. And I mean, from the first episode, she is she's literally asking her boyfriend and her ex-boyfriend like what do you think i should do like what do you think like do you think that i would be good at this do you think like i'm gonna go interview for this job do you think that like i should do it or and then she asked her ex-boyfriend like what do you like about me yeah like what do you think about me mm-hmm. and like she's 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 hoping that they like, can give her direction yeah and so by season three when the the paparazzi is like like hounding her i think she's finally found purpose and direction and that's like to be the center of attention for this thing mm. see i don't know if she necessarily wants attention i feel like she was into the game of getting out of it yeah because she becomes like walter white essentially like she she started off like this was the situation that I found myself in. And now she's like playing the game. And I think that that is where we start to see how connected she is to Elliot. Because she's she's like, she's convinced herself that what she believes is true. And, you know, technically, this is where we can talk about like, what was her role? Like, did she actually kill him? But the thing we're not talking about is... this is a big spoiler for season two Mm -hmm. she actually did straight up murder somebody yeah like she she just like pushed somebody off the boat and just like didn't deal with the repercussions of it and has not yet yeah still like people don't like she hasn't admitted it to anybody besides chip chip that's her like breaking bad bad moment or Mm -hmm. like i am I am, I am the one who knocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was really impressive. Maybe this is off topic, but I think it's impressive that, uh, at least for me, I was just like, no, she killed. She actually killed somebody at this point, and yeah. there's no coming back from that. And it's impressive as a show that I still feel sympathy, and that's just because mm-hmm. she's so good at building a narrative for yeah. herself, and like getting people to see like oh like she's just she's just a nice girl like she's just a good person who was caught up in a bad situation when in reality it's 
not that. It's just that she can manipulate you and, and craft your story to make you believe in her. Yeah. And she does that, like, to serve herself. She kills April on the boat. Her neighbor. You know, to tie up a loose end, which, I mean, ultimately did did help (laughs) her. Like, that would have done her in. And I think that season three, like, examines a lot of, like, how much she's bought into it. I like Portia and Elliot's dynamic. But I don't know if they're, like super deep characters i think by, by by season three you don't know if you should take them seriously because like you hear like some of the excuses they make for themselves and it's it's hilarious mm-hmm. and it doesn't necessarily make them likable all the time mm-hmm. i think the only real person that's kind of likable is drew but he does a lot of shit in season three to like try to escape from like this whole shit right mm-hmm so, 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 yes. So, the reason why I, s- I say that is because I, I think in season three, you see, like, the juxtaposition where, like, they start to see that, like, Dory is really good at this manipulation shit more expertly than everybody else. I mean, I, I think that we also see Drew being very cunning uh, and deceitful in season three where, like, he tries to set up this guy who he knows... Uh, is going to get, like, a job in Hong Kong, and he tries to sabotage him. Yeah, he tries. Yeah. He's so bad at it. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that the show did a good job at, like, not letting him get away with it, because, it, you know, like, some of these things that they do are ridiculous, mm-hmm. and the fact that, like, they didn't let him get away with it, I think uh, it's good on the show for that. Yeah, I think Drew's the most believable person. Yeah. Like, he seems like he's a believable person, but that's because he's so passive. Yeah. And I think Portia is also really passive. But she um, doesn't seem like a real person to me. Yeah, like, she's passive in, like, a an, an antics kind of way. She lives in Elliot's comedy world. Yeah. Drew lives in Dory's drama world. Yeah. And, I, I mean, like, the difficult part about Drew is that he actually did kill him. He actually did kill Keith. He dealt the final blow. And I think that, like... The first episode is so much about introducing how passive Drew is and how, like, unhappy and, by extension, passive Dory is. Mm -hmm. And I think once you start to see Drew, like, be more of, like, an active person, he realizes that he doesn't necessarily like Dory, like, who she's becoming, or, like, what this has done to her, or, like how she like decided to really lean into this shit and i think that like his passivity starts to i don't know like dwindle what would you say yeah like he starts taking more action for Mm -hmm. himself but i think he's also like a stand-in for like the audience like no but like just a white white straight dude you know like he wants everything, a millennial white straight dude. He is in business and like he's oh, he's getting his business degree or whatever mm. and he has a girlfriend and like he wants her to do all of like the housework while he can like just be himself and like do the things that he wants. Yeah. And yeah, he doesn't like the person that Dory becomes and it scares him. But he keeps trying to chase after, like, 
that like normality yeah and like his romantic relationships mm-hmm. he keeps trying like he goes out with chantal because like she's just so willing to yeah. to just she just throws herself at him at that point he's just like oh yeah like this is what i'll do she seems like a nice person enough like this seems like nice enough but then like she's crazy and like in season four he finds a nice girl at the theme park he works at but she's also unhinged as well he keeps trying to put the women in his life his romantic women in his life in a nice box Mm -hmm. so he can just live a nice normal life but that's not how people are yeah and 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 like the thing is i think he's a nurturer like he's got this like nurturing sense to him i think he wants things to always be okay and I think that's what he cares about most, to just be fine, to be okay, and, like, let's get over with it. Like, first episode, right? He, mm-hmm. he like, tries to comfort Dory after she doesn't fucking get a job or whatever. Yeah. He and just then, can't deal with, like... Like, even he killed Keith for her because he thought that, like, she was in danger. And, like, he... I mean, he, I, I think a lot of the things he does... Like, he searches for Dory when she's she's missing or, like... I think he, he's he's kind of... He's a kind and, like, a nurturing person... But at the same time, his the normalcy that he's looking for, I think he doesn't know how to cope with the fact that, like, it'll never come back. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's constantly scrambling to, like, try to find another piece of normalcy. But he keeps failing at it yeah. so far. I think It seems like he wants kind of, like, the life that he grew up with. Like, yeah. just regular parents and, like, a regular family. But that's no longer at his disposal at this point. Yeah. yeah. But even then, like, the regular family, like, they keep trying to gloss over things. Like, mm-hmm. just tell us, just tell us you're not, like, you, you're innocent. Yeah. You know, when and in season two. Or season three when they're d- doing the courtroom stuff, right? Like, his parents show up. And he's just like, just tell us just tell us that you're innocent. And he's like, yeah, we're innocent. We had nothing to do with it. So yeah. See, there you go. There you go. He's innocent. Yeah. You know? like, And that's all they needed to hear to believe that. Because they need to believe that everything's going to be okay. And that's kind of... Drew also picks up on that. And that's yeah. like his, his driving force. His, yeah, his mental self-defense is like trying to find a way to make things okay or normal Mm -hmm. like trying to find a way to like pitch correct or try to like get things back to like be okay again but i think that in the same way that like dory was projecting onto chantal or like elliot you know like lies about himself or or, like how portia convinces herself that she had nothing to do with it um i think drew projected a lot onto as you said the women that he's involved with and it doesn't ever really work out because he's i think that sense of normalcy is gone like and i think by season four he starts to realize that he doesn't know who he is because he was obsessed with this idea of normalcy and that's gone now and like now he doesn't know what the fuck he is what the fuck Mm -hmm. he wants like what he wants to do and i think if at that works for him because he is that character and like you know like that that is kind of standard for millennial content you know like this who the fuck am i kind of shit Mm -hmm. but for him it feels like it's like the anguish of like a a businessman realizing like existentialism or something you know like he, he he has this like deep existentialism like a refute of i don't know the fucking like 
Is it American Dream? Yeah, like... Because I think that a lot of the show is about white privilege. Yeah. And, uh, like, as I was saying, like, the st- he's, like, the stand-in, like, white straight dude. He's a white straight millennial dude. And a lot of, like, the... Another narrative that, like, millennials have is that, like, industries that were supposed to be, like, you know, like, uh, like straight nine-to-five jobs don't really exist anymore. And he's, like, the only one of them that... The only one of the main cast that's, like, a business person. Yeah. And, is and trying it also to, goes like, against, like, the idea of the hipster. Yeah. Which it balk or, like, scoffs at the idea of corporate or, you know, like, a corporate job. Yeah. A corporate nine-to-five job. Because they all are, like, consumed with this, I don't know, like, this idea that they're gonna, I don't know, like, be something they're gonna become something someday mm-hmm. i don't know if dory's that but i guess to an extent back to drew like i think you believed him as a business type but i didn't believe his character as a business type hmm. it always felt like he was pretending to be a business person it was pretending like oh i'm up for this job like there's this open position in shanghai and now i want to go i want to do that because one i want to run away from well that's the only reason he wanted to do it. but also like he could start anew you know, like, and I can do this, but he's not qualified for the job, but he's just like, no, no, I gotta, I just gotta, you know, I gotta be the one to get this job. Hmm. And he's just not good at it. He's not good at the manipulation. He's not good. Like, he's just not cutthroat. Yeah. Like that. Because he's, at least I don't believe him as like a cutthroat business type. Yeah. But does that mean, like, you don't have to be that to be cutthroat business type. I think that, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I. I did believe him because I think he's got the look. And, like, what are hipsters if not neoliberalists? Like, they're obsessed with, I don't know, things, consuming and fucking being a a consumer. Like, because so much of their identity is, is wrapped up in, like, the things they like or do. I, I, I think we have this idea that, like, hipsters don't like commercialism but i think they do like mm-hmm. they love brand deals mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> shit like that but anyway i think that to respond to your, your the thing about uh him not being good at like i don't know espionage or what, what would you call manipulation. it manipulation manipulation tearing down people i think he realizes that like or i, th- I guess the show just doesn't cut him any slack there because I think some other characters could have probably gotten away with it. Like, I think maybe if Elliot was doing some shady shit like that, it would have worked for him because things tend to work for him. But I think that the show rejecting his efforts to claim this sense of normalcy is, like, making him confront the shit that he did. Making Mm -hmm. him confront with the person that he is and, like, how unhappy he is with all this shit. Um, And that really comes to a head in season four where season four is about uh, Dory getting captured after the trial, Mm -hmm. and she gets captured by the stalker who's named Chip. And he basically creates this, like, I don't know, like a dungeon? Where he keeps, yeah. Felt prison. Felt recreation of her apartment. We see her, like, being broken and, like, tortured, whatever. In the midst of that, it's it shows like how the other characters are doing fine without Dory and like not even really thinking about her like trying to get away from like all the shit that Dory did because Dory won like Dory she got away with 
murder, or I, I wouldn't say she got away with murder, but like she got out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think every character was not comfortable with that because everybody feels guilty. And I think that's why it felt weird that like Dory leaned into it and like, I don't know, she just, she just really, if it suited her well, I guess. And they start to look for her because she's missing. And they have like this moment after this proposal because Drew at the time was like going to get married to this girl and this proposal falls through and like every all all three of the characters outside of Dory they have like this moment where like they really they have like this crisis like this I don't know what would you call it, like a manic crisis or not a manic crisis mm, but like a some a moment of self-reflection yeah a breakdown yeah right they have like this breakdown where each of them realizes how full of shit that they are and like how you know some of the shit that they were doing just like they were more involved than they like to give credit for and like it's not just dory mm-hmm. it's easy to point at dory because like some of the shit she did was very fucked up and like possibly evil but they had their own role in it everybody's involved in different ways and i feel like in season four you really get to see them confront that with themselves. I don't think so, though. I don't. I think they confront that the, they're not the best people and they've made bad decisions. But I think they still think Dory is the worst of them, and that they are innocent, and that like they've just been like Dory manipulated them. Hmm. I think I mean, that yeah. they're still they still think that they were under the thrall of Dory's manipulation. But I, I at least like they do start confronting some of the like very terrible decisions they made after Mm -hmm. the fact uh which at least is some is some character growth yeah uh but i think it is very frustrating because they don't think of themselves as bad people but if you read all the things that they've done on paper they're bad people yeah but i sorry I, i guess i didn't mean like that they feel bad about like killing which i guess that's how i how it came off, but I meant more like they confront things about themselves and like mm. who they are and like this lack of not knowing who they are, like aimlessness. And they really have this moment where they don't really know who they are and they realize that they are kind of like Dory as much as they tried yeah. to not yeah, be like that. her. Um, yeah, like in the previous seasons, it was always like separating themselves. Yeah, it's just like we did all of this because of Dory. Mm-hmm. Like, all because Dory wanted to feel special is something that Portia said, mm-hmm. I think, a few times. And like season they, four, that, that they removed... Email, the voicemail, too? Oh, uh-huh. Like, at the end. Oh, at the beginning of season four. Yeah. Um, And at the end of season four, because they've been removed from Dory, they start to realize, like, oh, like, I made some terrible decisions. And this time, I have nobody to blame but myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that yeah, that's what I meant. Like, they, they're confronted with themselves, and, like, when Dory's not there, like, who do they have but themselves mm-hmm. to blame or look at or whatever? And I think that season four, I think, is about accountability, but for Dory. Because kind of at, like, the climax of the season... We find out that, like, Dory had this moment where Chip, who had kidnapped her, and she, he was, Dory was in the trunk, 
she like gets out and she she manages to escape while he's like pumping gas or whatever and she could leave and she decides to not leave she just decides to get back in the truck and you realize that it's really just her punishing herself Mm -hmm. for the shit that she did and like that goes back to the point you were saying about like it's good on the show that they made you sympathize with a character that like did some really reprehensible shit and you know season four is like it's it's like a roller coaster for Dory because she gets manipulated, she gets fucking tortured, she gets like possibly hypnotized, mm-hmm. drugged, like she's an accessory to murder. Yeah, also. Like beat all kinds of shit. And it was it was seeing like her understanding that like what she did was fucked up, and she decided to punish herself for what it was. And it was like punishing herself for like living through this shit with chip and like being a hostage or whatever is her Chantel for season four that's her purpose her purpose was to right now i am being punished for the things that i did i'm Mm -hmm. punishing myself for the shit that i did Mm -hmm. and it's also a way of the show making it possible for her to a certain extent to live with what she's done yeah like it's for her it's like to deny what she's done to like allow herself to be manipulated and hypnotized even if like it's not like a direct like yes i'm allowing myself to have but like the fact that she goes back in the car she allows herself for all of that to happen yeah because she can't live with herself yeah but then at the end we realize that it was all bullshit so chip hypnotizes her and drugs her he convinces her that she's like this other woman and, you know, like, I think the show evolves also here because it, like, it enters, like, Fargo territory, kind of like the wolf territory where, like, they send someone to, like, do a cleanup job and, like, uh, rich family shit. Oh, like, Dory. Pulp Fiction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, it's like Fargo? Wolf, wolf? wolf from, uh, from Pulp Fiction, yeah. So, Dory doesn't want to be herself. Like, Dory very much does not like who she's become. And she punished herself for that. And she even wanted to, she wanted Chip to hypnotize her again. When so she that, realizes. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of, that goes back to like the anti-climactic, climactic ending of season one, which is like what you believed and like what you thought or what you were seeing was her projecting all these things. Cause he's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to fucking hypnotize. I just read some stupid book. Yeah. But like, she again believed that like she could possibly start anew through this this crazy stalker situation but i think i think that so what i wanted from season four i guess just because like that's how my dumb brain is but i wanted like retaliation i wanted her to kill chip Mm. but i mean i don't think chip would die because it turns out as we find out that chip is like connected to this very wealthy family he was like a total piece of shit. Yeah. Do you think that Dory deserved that? Uh, Dory deserved all the psychological mm-hmm. trauma. Like, do you think she brought it on herself? I mean, she literally. I mean, did, she. But... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, no, because like nobody should be subjected to torture like that. Mm-hmm. But I think it's speaking to like the torture we inflict on ourselves. Yeah. And like the guilt. And the realities we create because we can't be faced with the truth of who we are. Yeah. 
And I think that's especially funny with Portia in season four. So she has an audition for an acting role in which she would play herself in the story of Dory Seif and the for like gang. a lifetime movie. Yeah, and she auditioned to be herself, but then they told her, or they, I guess the producer suggested that she should be Dory. Portia plays Dory in the way that she understands Dory to be, which is like this kind of like sad, or maybe like morose, kind of like keeps to herself, isn't very outspoken. The director's like, no, that's not it. Like, because I think, I don't know, I, I, I haven't figured out exactly what I'm trying to say here, but I think it had something to do with the fact that, well, one, I don't think she's that great at acting, but two is that her best acting is not what she does for a job. Her best acting is her trying to, like, remove herself from this, like, murder shit. Mm-hmm. This person who she pretends to be. That's her best acting. Portia's also a very passive character. Yeah. Literally, like, she's so susceptible to, like, so much suggestion from everybody in her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we see it play out multiple times throughout yeah. the show. But I think the fact that she took the role and that she was, like, forced to play a Dory that other people wanted to see like the like an evil dory and yeah. an evil one-sided like a dory turned to 11 yeah like i think it, it made her face the fact that like she was integral in constructing that narrative of dory yeah to the public by testifying against her by you know by working with the police yeah. because like what else was she gonna do like they were talking to her they were asking her questions and she answered them because she wants to be helpful yeah you know like she was integral in into making dory out to look like an evil person an evil one-sided person murderous yeah and i think that that's where she i mean i don't know i don't know if she lost her job because she just wasn't good at acting i think that's what they're suggesting but i think that it also is showing how not all attention is good attention and how as much as she tried to remove herself from the situation the attention that she was giving was predicated on that the fact that she was involved in this because she that's that like increased her profile but it's hollow like Mm -hmm. Just because she got attention for that, it's not the attention that she wants, but she confuses it or she perhaps projects it to be what she does want, which is like attention at any cost. It's just attention. It's just like, you know, like being an actress and being seen. It doesn't matter if it's like she she just she didn't care about her morals. And I think that that's the through line for those three characters, Elliot, Portia and Drew, is that they decide to kind of sell their morals just to, like, find a new life. Mm-hmm. Like, life after death kind of shit. Drew gets with this girl um, at, a, at a theme park, amusement park, or carnival, whatever the fuck it is. Elliot decides to become, like, a conservative for, like, a Fox News kind of shit, like a Milo Yiannopoulos-type figure. And Portia, like, sells her soul to, like, portray her friend in, like, a, a movie that's just going to make them look bad. Mm-hmm. And all of them are confronted with that. But only Dory is, like, punishing herself for it. So does that mean that Dory is, like, the best among them in the end? She's truly one of the ones who, like, confronted what she did, her role in it, 
I don't know. Like I, I don't think so. You don't think? <laughs> I don't think she's the best among them. I mean... She murdered people. She murdered a person. Yeah, but she didn't try to run away from it. Well, after season three. I don't think she tried to, like, find a new life after. I well, because she couldn't. Well, I mean, it's almost like her purpose ran out and she had to find a new one. Because season three of her purpose was, like, get acquitted, whatever. What's her purpose now? She no longer has Chantal. She no longer, like, is fighting a legal battle. What's her purpose now? Well, that's the scary part, too. Right? Like, that she's terrified of living a life after the fact. Yeah. But I don't think that that makes her better for, like, trying to face consequences. I mean, at the end of the day, she still manipulated a jury to find her not guilty. Yeah, but people do that all the time. So that's okay. To a good, I mean. So that me that, that makes it okay. I mean, I'm not. I don't know what it. So well, I guess I'll I'll pose that question. Do you think Dory is better than her her friends? I ju- I just think that they're all not great. I mean, I think Drew is the most normal, but even what he did is a little like like he hurt someone. You know, like he that whole situation with the the proposal really hurt that girl. <laughs> Like, she was devastated. I mean, I'm not saying it was his fault necessarily, but he led her on to think that this was the life that they had because he was convinced that this is the life that he wanted. And then he just, like, rips the rug and he's just like, yeah, no, I still like Dory. He tells the girl the day of, like, while she's proposing that he's in love with his ex. I think. I mean, I'm not saying this is comparable to murder. I'm just saying that, like, among the three characters... Dory seems to be the one that's not running away from what she did by way of, like, punishing herself and, like, confronting. I mean, she's the one that's, like, still living with it the most, I would say. In a way where the other characters were trying to get away with it. But that's also because that is one of the convenient things of the plot, though, of the show, is that they removed all options for her and left her with two options either get back in the car and like face this like and be a hostage of this crazy person or have to live with yourself those were the only two options whereas everybody else had like limitless options like drew went off and like decided to rebrand himself as a as a disneyland character Mm -hmm. elliot elliot like has like infinite possibilities but I, I think it was just very convenient for the show to torture her like that how because like now like you feel sympathy for her we feel sympathy for her it's mm-hmm. like oh like maybe she's not a bad person if she's being tortured by this other person but that's not of her own design well i'm not saying that she's forgiven for it but i think it shows remorse in a way where it didn't show it for the other characters. Hmm. It shows like a desire or like an admittance that what they did deserves punishment. Even though she, yeah, she orchestrated getting out of it. That's, yeah, I'm not saying that she's like redeemable necessarily. I'm just saying that it shows a difference in character from season three to four, even one. Where like now she's confronting herself, like not like... You know, she's not like, oh, I feel... I mean, of course she feels bad, but, like, I think she's 
she's realizing that the person that she actually is is probably not someone that she likes. Mm-hmm. And that's something that she didn't know in the first season. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying that she's, like, the best among them, but I think her arc is probably the best among them. Yes. I think her, her, char- her character arc is the most probably satisfying maybe yeah because well mostly because i think it's well written it's like you get to you do get to like live with this character and realizes that like yeah she's she can be a piece of shit but also like what she did like she knows that what she did was wrong and she's punishing herself and now i'm curious to see where the show's gonna go because i don't know where the show how the show could reinvent itself yeah again i i think this last season, the season finale in general, is about like Dory coming to full realization, mm-hmm. right? Like even the fact that like at the end we see all four versions of Dory yeah. <laughs> as the seasons have gone on, yeah, where she is, she is all of them. Mm-hmm. She's had the potential to be every every version of herself. And now it's like self-realization, self-acceptance. Like, yeah, I think I well, I think that that's that's the the thing about like character studies is like she starts to imagine it every which way. She starts to imagine she, maybe she didn't do anything and like it was just an accident because potentially it was an accident until it wasn't. If the guy hadn't died, what's the worst that would happen? She would have just gotten maybe like charges pressed against her. Yeah. What I'm saying is, like, season one, I don't think she had known that part of herself yet. Season two, she was realizing that part of herself. Season three is when she becomes that part. Like, glorious ending. And then season four, she becomes Eleven from Stranger Things. And, like, she, I don't know, she examines all three of those person, mm-hmm. those people. And she she does realize that she's all of them. But also that, like... I don't think she likes who she's becoming. Like, in her pursuit of purpose or identity, she realized that she didn't like who she is. And that's something that she hadn't known before. I I mean, I think the show is, is like, there's a lot there. It's like, like, why would would you recommend the show? Like, tell us why why people should watch the show. For the humor. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it's also like a complicated show to describe because every season is a little different. Mm-hmm. Is that a good or a bad thing for you? I think that's a great thing. I think that it's like, it it keeps you on your toes. I think as an audience, like as a, as a watcher, it's like, well, what are they going to do next? Yeah. And like, it's it's exciting to see the events unfold, even if the characters themselves aren't the best people. Yeah. But I wanted to... Before we switch gears from like self, self, like fully talking about like Mm -hmm. outward, I guess, go back to the millennial narrative Mm -hmm. and like the fact that Dory has like, like realized, like self accepted, right? She's come to this place where she now knows who she is a little bit better Mm -hmm. and she, who she is, and she doesn't like that person. But I think at the end of season four, she at least accepts. That she is that person. Yeah. And I think it goes back also to, like, the millennial narrative of, like, post, post-college, post I don't know who I am. Should I kill someone? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
yeah, that. Like, right. We've all experienced that, right? Yeah, a few times. But... I told you about my areolas. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now, at least, if, like, we're historicizing the show, where, like, it started in 2016, and now we're in 2021, where, like, millennials are getting older, and they're, like, it's no longer, like quote-unquote adulting it's like no we're like actually adults and we're like facing real shit and like it's no longer like a cutesy like a cutesy teehee i'm a millennial and i go to brunch yeah it's more like we're kind of faced with an existential dread of like this is the world we're inheriting uh this is who we are as people now we don't have like well what do you mean it's just like a part like of like in a political up. sense or like I think it just, it's, the show itself is, like, what it means to grow up mm-hmm. in, like, a very warped kind of way of, like, explaining it. So, you're saying that it's, like, a mer- metaphor or parable for growing up? Yeah. Like, it just feels Killing like someone? the characters. <laughs> but it feels, at least, like, the character arcs are also pretty sa- it's satisfying to watch because we are seeing them grow up. Hmm. We're seeing them come to... Like, we're seeing them become themselves yeah. and, like, accept harder truths that at the beginning of the show, they wouldn't have been able to accept. Yeah. Or the show is about how white people can escape killing people. Yeah. Well, that too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess I guess that that is kind of what the show is trying to pull off, which is this, you know, uh, millennial show with substance, you know? Like, a show about burgeoning adults Hmm. young uh, adulthood growing up surrounded or wrapped up in this murder plot or like this situation because i think i don't know if i think that dory is a bad person i mean she did kill someone but is she a bad person well i think that's also like the genius of the show and it shows how complex people are like, even if you believe that you're not a bad person, you've done bad things. Yeah. Even in season one, when she's talking to Julian, she's like, oh, I had to do this thing, but that doesn't make me a bad person. Yeah. And, like, that's her trying to convince herself that she's not a bad person. But Julian is like, no, you can't, you can't keep saying things like that every time you fuck up. It's either you do the right thing or you don't do the right thing. His world is very black and white. Mm-hmm. And I think as the show goes on, it's, he is the most well-adjusted for sure. Yeah, but but even then, he has kind of like a moral dilemma. It isn't it isn't that black and white. It isn't that black and white of like you do bad things, you're a bad person. Yeah. It's you kind of just live and you make decisions and you have to deal with the consequences. Yeah, I think that's a good theory of the show or thesis of the show. It's like your mistakes don't define you, I guess. Yeah. Even if you murdered a few people. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> I guess in this, like, for Julian, it makes sense because you replace murder with, like, accepting fucking money from a senator or whatever it is. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it is, like, finding how to move, how to live after doing something bad. Finding a way to like continue living after doing like having a a, a difficult path or like a a past, I guess. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I think that that's 
kind of everything I have to say about the show for the most part. Anything else? Or what would you... You asked me how I would... Or why? Why I think people should watch it? Yeah, there you go. Because I think it's a show that's about millennials with a purpose. It's got... It's not just empty calories. Like, I love girls. I love even, like, Broad City. I love, like, shit that's about, like, aimless whatever in, in I guess, New York. I mean... I, w- I was going to compare it to High Maintenance, but that's an amazing show. But I think that this show, because of, like, how the plot works and, like, the big thematic themes and, like, the the theme of attention as currency. I don't know. I, j- I just think that there's so much that they interrogate and, like, unpack about, like, how ridiculous some of the millennial shit is. But also, like, how some of the issues that they're dealing with are real. I mean, for the show, they're crafted and and wrapped around this, like, murder plot, but they're still going through like this idea of uh identity crisis but it's it's more than just like identity tm it's like and rebranding yourself yeah and pivoting and like there's just there's just so much to the show and it's it's got all these like various genres it's funny as hell the casting is always good like every season they introduce new characters and the casting's always good Mm-hmm. Um and the performances are really good. Like Alia Shakat is someone that I've been watching for a very long time since she was like a kid, and seeing her graduate to like a role where she's the lead and like it's different for her and it's there's no shows like this show. Mm-hmm. It feels like when like Showtime was like really hidden with like really good shows. It's just it's just one of a kind it's hard to find something like this yeah it's so specific mm-hmm. also and that's kind of what makes it universal at the same time it's also very impressive that almost everybody involved the, the majority even the showrunners some are wait, there's three showrunners yeah, and pretty young two of them are like they're all in their 30s yeah young 30s too and that's very impressive and i think that it adds a depth yeah, of, like, what it actually means to be living like this at this time. Yeah. Like, being a young adult at this time and trying to figure your shit out and what is a purpose. But also navigating, like, influencer life and, like, you know, wokeness yeah. and, like, performative. Performativity. Yeah, and, you know, like, all those things yeah. that we all have to live with now. Uh, but like, it's got such a, I think the satire is what sells it. Because, like, so much of, like, millennial culture is ridiculous and hilarious. And it's fun to laugh at sometimes. Like, Elliot's Wedding, I think, was, like, it was so great. Yeah. It was a little too, like, Over maybe the on the nose. <laughs> like, too, like, it, it was a little too, like, the showrunners talking directly to the audience. Like, this is the thesis of, like, what we're going for. Yeah. Because we're like, the theme of the wedding is attention. Uh <laughs> <laughs> And that's, like, all the show is. Yeah. <laughs> tension, tension. Uh, but the fact that, like, all of this is, like, $1.2 million for one wedding. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then, like, very easily they solve that because brands want to, like, corporations want to rebrand themselves as, like, that was LGBTQ yeah. friendly. And that leads, like, that corporatism and you know like it's funny because like these like you often think of like marginalized groups in like a political sense 
but you never think about them in a class sense. You know, like, it shows that, like, it doesn't matter if you're gay, straight, or whatever sexual orientation. You can be a staunch capitalist. And Elliot was a staunch capitalist. That just, that becomes like a slippery slope for him where, like, he'll do anything for money. He doesn't mm-hmm. give a fuck. Like, they were about to fire him off that Fox show, and he's like, I'll suck your dick. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a little bit like, are they referencing, like, fire, like, fire Festival? <laughs> like, um, the meme. But, yeah, even, like, when Elliot is going to be like, oh, like, this is my time to go visit my family and confront the, like, the truth and my trauma and unpack all the things I've been running away from. Like, as soon as he gets, as soon as he gets the call, he's like, oh, yeah, bye. Yeah, Yeah, like, he, he only confronted himself because he had to. (laughs) He had no other choice choice at that point. Mm -hmm. So, let's close it out. What would you rate the show? The entire show? Mm -hmm. I think it's some of the most fun I've had watching a show. Very bingeable. It's so bingeable. The The dialogue is is so good. The season arc thing is fantastic. How they evolve each season is, is Yeah, I think the the fact that we can very easily point to like what each season is about, even though we binged all of it, is very impressive because usually, you know, if I binge a show and like it's five seasons or whatever, I'm like, I don't know, like I don't know what I just watched. It just it just feels like a very long movie. Mm-hmm. Right? Where it's just like, I don't know when this character development happened. It just happened. Yeah. Whereas, like, I can point to, like, season two is, like, when they're all dealing with, like, guilt. Yeah. And season four is when they're dealing with consequence. You know, like, that's very impressive in terms of, like, the pacing of the show and, like, the character arcs each define season. Yeah. And also just, like, how the show transformed. It kept the attention. It, like, uh, found new ways to tell this story. And, like, we listened to some of the interviews and, like, how the actors didn't know what this was. Like, didn't know what the tone was in the first episode. The first episode is straight up just, like, an interest in, like, a potential mystery. And it evolves into something much more. And, like, the show has to be different things every season. Like... It almost has to learn completely different parts of genres and shows. And it's always impressive the way that they, they do it. Because it, it also just seems like everybody is on board with, like, like listening to all the interviews. It seems like everybody's on board with, like, what they're creating. Because mm-hmm. it gave a lot of these a lot of these actors, uh, part of the main cast except for Ali Ashaka, who's had a career. It gave them a job. Like, it, they gave had them it, purpose. It, yeah, I mean... and. And keeping with the theme of, of the show, and it gave them a Chantel, you know? And I think... A Chantal. I'm, yeah, I gave them a Chantal, and I'm grateful because I get to see these actors, and, like, they're they're so talented. Like, John Early is so good as that character. Like, I, I, so fun to watch. I don't even... I think he might even be better than Elijah, because you get, like, the antics is so ridiculous. Like, there are some Brooklyn Nine-Nine actors. What the fuck? I can't say that word antics yeah he he's such a great character mm-hmm. i i love him because he lies every scene yeah. every scene he is in he lies at least like five ten times i have to laugh <laughs> but he also he has such a way of like taking control of the situation yeah. which is so impressive and i think it just like 
it's all emphasizes, about confidence. It emphasizes how, like, how good he is at what he does. Yeah. Like, and how easy people, like, how easy it is to fall for his lies, even yeah. though you know he's a liar. I think he's, it's such a, he's such a good character. But I guess, sorry, I never answered your question. What would you rate it? 4.8. Okay. Just because it's I don't like good. to give perfect scores. Yeah. But also, like, Chip, I don't know, like, there's some things that are a little too convenient to the plot. Yeah. I mean, to the story. And so... Like the Chip being yeah, rich. Yeah, like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah. And they, like, they got, like, uh, robbed... And, yeah. like, they, they go to the store and they see his face, like, something, <laughs> like, the mascot of a, of, like, a cinnamon yeah. mm-hmm. bun company. And, like, oh, my God, that's, you know, like, it's just, it's, it's too convenient. Oh, and this was after they had, like, been left out and robbed. Yeah, they're, like, naked. They conveniently <laughs> walked into, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but I love that Porsche's just, like, guys, we did it. We put our minds to it. And we found Dory. <laughs> when it's just like all of their all of their leads wound up as like dead ends, and like one friend like posted yeah. a picture of Dory. <laughs> I also love that when, when after they find Chantal, they're like, "She's crazy, right?" And she's crazy, right? He's like, and Portia's like, "Oh my god, thank you, thank you for saying that." Yes, yes. <laughs> But, like, they just did this insane thing, and they still find time to, like, judge these people. Yeah. And that, that, I think, encapsulates the humor of the show. Is like, it finds these perfect moments to, like, drop these little nuggets of comedy that are just so good. But I think I would give it, I'd say 4.5, 4.8 as well. Because it's just such a, like, there's nothing like it. And, like, I feel so captivated that I get to watch something like this. Because mm-hmm. it's... It's just all it's just all kinds of different shit. It just feels like a treat. Yeah. It feels like oh it feels special. Like, you know? It's so easy to watch too. It's so so easy. It's so it's only ten episodes. Yeah. And every season and they're just it's so quick. It's, it's gone before you know it. Yeah. Alright, well that wraps up. That's it. We're done <laughs> for this this episode. We went You think it's gonna it's get it's almost renewed? an hour and thirty minutes. I hope so. I mean, I, I don't think that the show has that many viewers. Like, not like that, at least. I don't I don't think it ever, like, breached that consciousness. But I think that it's such a great show. And I think people are sleeping on it. So I hope so. I really do hope so. It'd be, I, I, I just like watching them. I like these characters, and I like... The situations, and I like how they write them. Mm-hmm. I like the cast. Yeah. Uh, it just feels like everybody's having a good time on set. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening. Let us know if you Hated like this, this format. I guess <laughs> next time we'll we'll pare down a little bit, try to like have it more streamlined. But it's it's a it's so much. There's so much to cover in this show. Usually we only stick to the first episode, so mm-hmm. you know. It'll be a little disorganized, probably. Yeah. So I apologize. For I feel that. like we. Me- I mean, there are things that we. Yeah, but we'll condemn. we'll catch that in the editing. Yeah. <laughs> right, Michelle. Sorry, sorry, Michelle. Whatever, Michelle. Do your job. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding, Michelle. Sorry. All right. Well, All right. Bye. All right. Peace. Rate us. Bye. Who told you about my areolas? Bye.